0: Yeah, uh, Devon. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, I, I really enjoy doing podcasts, especially with people that I don't actually know personally very well. Um, it's and and but but you're someone whose name I have heard in my head since I moved to New York in 2010 or 11. Um, I graduated from grad school, and moved to New York, and met Kendall Williams, and he invited me to the Brooklyn, uh, you know, the New York panorama scene. I had been to Trinidad in 2002, and I was like why has no one told me about this, <laughs> you know, and I saw, and, and I think you had won, you had won in London at the time or you were, you were winning a lot in New York. And I was like, who is this guy that is, you know, like I, anyway, just all this to say, I've heard your name a million times. And before we get into sort of what you're doing now, I'm really curious if you're okay to take me back to like baby Devon Stewart and just tell me a little bit about like, how in the hell did you get to do what you do? Like, what was it, what were you like as a kid and sort of, go from there?
1: Um, I came from a, a family that, that played the instrument back in the day. It was like in the late 70s, 80, 80s. It wasn't really a profession inherited by the family, but it was like a, a hobby, mm-hmm. something that they had, had liked by the um, wayside, and they just continued with it. And, uh, so luckily to be in a household where my dad, he was the captain of um, Trent Bigger All-Stars. And, and my mom, she was a player of the band, Trent Bigger All-Stars. You know, my dad used to play quadrophonics. Uh, sorry, my dad used to play tenor pan and my mom used to play quadrifonics. And the year was 1984, and I made my way to the pan accompanied by my parents, and I saw this instrument. and um, they were really, really into it. And I was like, being amongst kids and just receiving instructions of to sit, or I could take time to go and play, or whenever they get arrested, I might take my mom's pan six and take a little knock on her pan, take my dad's six, take a little knock on his pan. And there, in the day, I, I found out that um, I have a liking for this. And um, it was just a like until uh, my dad got the responsibility to keep Pan's home at the house where where I was living in Tobago, Scarborough. And out of curiosity, I would just start playing Pan. And my dad was taking time to show me songs and show me music that the band was playing. And I was just responding very, very quickly towards it, you know. Well, I'm sorry
0: to interrupt. I'm curious just because of the little bit, like I, my introduction to, to Trinidadian culture was through Cliff Alexis when I was in high school. And, you know, he told me a few things. He showed me some scars on his head that he was hit by policemen, you know, like growing up. And, you know, I'm, I'm 17 years old. I'm a white kid from Ohio. Like there's just some things that I've never experienced. And, you know, he said those things to me and then he went away and tuned for like, for like a week and then disappeared. And I was like, who is this wizard that just walks in here? And, and but he was telling me things that now as a 42-year-old man, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I didn't realize how hard it was for him to, yeah. to love the pan yeah. at that time. And so I'm curious for you, were you as a as a kid recognizing any of that sort of like the class system in Trinidad in terms of the upper class looking at folks like not, you know, seeing pan men and women as legit?
1: No, 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 no. I, 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 I wasn't exposed to that. No, but I, I heard of stories mm-hmm. and I was given the the knowledge of what took place in the past with individuals who wanted to penetrate, um, a life in, in, in music and with with steel pan in general. Mm -hmm. And I, I, um, put all these things behind me. I had, I had all these negative things of, um, the, um, the steel pan clash wars that took place in the past and stuff like that. And I eliminated all these things and I went, went, Head in first because this is what I saw, this is what I loved, and this is what I wanted to be a part of. And I just received the the full support from the family, and what my decision was. Everybody wanted their their child to to make up their mind and decide what they wanted to be, was a doctor or police or a firefighter. Or the question was drawn into me by my parents. You know what you want to do? And I said I want to play music. I want to play fan And they gave me the history. They gave me some knowledge of what took place in the past. And I was like, yo. I'm gonna go go ahead and do this, you know, because you know times changing, things are going to change and things are gonna change and things are gonna get better, and here I am, 2021, and I'm just living the dream that I've I've put in place, where I said to my parents that what I want to do, and and, and this is it. And, um, I never had that um, that negative thoughts of of fighting against the lions or the hyenas or the piranhas in the ocean. And I, I just, I just specific it and, and, and sacrifice and make time to to, mm-hmm. to knit him my craft and to make it happen, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the, the, I, you know, I'm asking the question a little bit out of ignorance and, a, but a little bit out of like my experience mm-hmm. when I, as a foreigner, when I come into a panyard, most often it's the older folks who come up to me and they immediately start telling me about all of the troubles that they had, you know, whether it's a panyard in Brooklyn or it's a panyard in San Fernando, like... The, I know sure. the fifteen guys are going to come up and talk to me and start telling me all the ways I'm drilling incorrectly because back in 1983 this is how this was done you know and there's a part of me that has the little bit of a like like we don't even know each other why are you yelling at me all of a sudden but also there's a respect for the culture there that I think as a foreigner I've just noticed and tracked that that history is, is crucially important and I'm, I'm curious very very important yeah and as, but and I would say. For me, for me as a foreigner, it's important, but I'm curious for you as a young kid in Trinidad who is now like, you are now in a position as an arranger and as a performer, you have a reputation not so different, whether you like to hear this or not, not so different than like Jit Samaru or Bugsy, like And there's young kids who are playing in bands that you're working with. As a young kid, did it ever dawn on you that you're like, I'm, Jit Samaru's right there. <laughs> you know, or Bugsy Sharp is right there. And, like what? What was that like as a kid growing up around all of these people who we now look at as like the fathers uh, in terms of arranging and writing music and performing? Like, what was that like for you as a kid?
1: It was it was a a, um, a marvel time for me because um, as you know, Trinidad and Tobago is two islands, and everything was taking place in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Tobago was just out of the the wilderness, and um. Back in the day I used to be watching panorama and pan events back on TV. And I had this this um, saying that um, everybody wanted to be like Mike. And that Gatorade advertisement of um Wanted to Be Like Mike was like resonating in my head and all the time, you know. It was the year nineteen eighty seven and I heard Dr. Jeff Savaru's arrangement of um Panini Minor. I heard it and I wanna be like him. I want to be like him. But I couldn't be like him and be in big at the same time. I had to go to Trinidad. Hmm. And he was my biggest hero, one of my biggest heroes, my idols, a guy who has opened a platform and a, and a way for me to, to be where I am today. And to make my way to Trinidad on a, a weekend basis, every weekend, because I was going to school at the point in time, as I said, the support of the parents that I had, my mom and my dad and the extended family, I made my way to Trinidad, and I was on one to the Achala Street, just walking to the and was like, wow, this is a guy that I just saw on television last week or last month and stuff like that. And I'm in the midst of, I'm in the midst of royalty. I just wanted to go up and talk to him. But then again, too, there was like a, a barrier between me and meeting him. But yet still, I still acknowledge the fact that I was in his presence at the point in time. And that goes to all the, the arrangers that I that I look up to that that, that really made it happen for me because Renegades was the only steel band that I made my, my, my presence be felt in a pannier that I had to put to my face through pannier. And I was like, wow, this is Len Oxy Sharp. Oh, this is Ray Holman. And I was like, I'm in the midst of royalty. I'm in, I'm in the midst of virtue of virtues that I one day will be able to talk to will be able to have a conversation to get ideas and I was really really scared and really shy to walk up to these guys mm-hmm. and um, but yet still I you know the heart was big the heart was really really big in, in going out to, to, to meet these individuals and um, and I did it you know I, I just introduced myself and and it wasn't like Okay, yeah, he's Duvon, so then they leave and they go. You know, we exchanged numbers, and the communication between myself and Dr. Jeff Samaru was there. The communication between myself and um, Robert Greenwich was there, mm. late Ken Professor, Professor Fillmore, Clive Bradley, you name it. You know, mm. I, I made contact with all these individuals while I was a kid, just moving from point A to point B, seeing, the, seeing them in the pannier, seeing their working on, under the influence of just being in a zone and just delivering music to, 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 to a, a group of people you know hundreds of people at the same time and you know, so it was really really a joy for me being in the midst of these individuals in my my, my young teenage days you know growing up and seeing firsthand you know was no TV thing and everything was just real. 2020 vision seeing Dr. Jed Samaru walking through the pan with his manuscript and score sheets and stuff like that, going to the pants and mm-hmm. talking, explaining, drilling. Same thing for Len Books and Sharp, same thing for Ken Professor Fulmore, same thing for, for um, Ray Hallman and, and these guys. You know, it was really, really an honor and privilege. And all these things that I saw back in the past is things that I, I work on and I try to to bring it. I at Dufont Stewart cited where personality. Of an individual goes a long way with the individual who is delivering and being mm-hmm. that help, being at the helmet, given music or given that, that motivation and, and, and connection within the players is the person that has to be mm-hmm. the strongest at all times. And you know, I have learned a lot so much. I've learned a lot from these individuals and I, and, and here I am today, you know, just living the dream and enjoying the dream and thanks to them, you know. Well, uh, that,
0: I, I could listen to you talk about just like what it was like for you to walk around <laughs> like in a pan, like mm-hmm. to, to me, that's the stuff that, you know, when I came to Trinidad in 2002 and I'm I'm in a pan yard, I'm in phase two's panyard for the first, I'm there for three and a half weeks. Nobody talks to me for like <laughs> the first week and a half, except for Bugsy, He's get, and only to give me notes, you know. Uh, and then Castro is like drilling me on the, you know, when Bugsy's not there and Almond St. Rose, and I'm just like, what is happening all over the place? But, but. I was experiencing something, and, I, and this is going to lead me to two questions here, and we'll get to both of them. So I apologize for the setup here, but you mentioned Jit with sheet music scored out, right? But the way Bugsy disseminated music was not with a score. And I, maybe he does that now. I don't know if he. I don't. It's been twenty years since I've worked with Bugsy on that on that level. But I was. But regardless, what they both create are symphonic pieces of music. That hold up against what was in my experience as a young kid growing up in, in Ohio, Beethoven 9. The only difference, the o- other than feel and, and cultural reference, all other than that, the only difference was that it wasn't written down. And I was looking at Bugsy and I played Do What You Want. And there was a tiny part of me, I didn't understand why I had this little bit of grief. And then it was like 10 years later, I was like, Oh it's because no hmm. one will ever play do what you want again ever true sure. and you people don't have to agree with that part of my grief and that's maybe my own baggage here but that's one question i want to get to with you in ter- is in terms of mm-hmm. publishing and conservation of what it is that that is happening in Trinidad and Tobago and all the ethics around that but first i want to ask you like when you were developing your own voice as a composer How did you deal with those moments of like where you had heavy influence? Like, for example, with Jit Samaru, where for me, when I look at Pan and Pan and A minor, I see score that is lined up left to right. Like there's there's six different lines happening that all work together. If you take the score to misbehave by Bugsy, it's like everything is up and down vertically in terms of it's like, oh, wow, that's awesome. How did you deal with those types of influences? Hearing the way he was treating different instruments, and then make it your own. How did you, how did you make it so it wasn't just a copy of Jit Samaru? You know what I mean? Is that am I asking that clearly? Probably not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand what you're asking, but um, okay. to get from point A to point B, you had to start somewhere. I was heavily influenced by Doctor Jit's way of doing music. Mm-hmm. You know, he would come in the panier with music to deliver being prepared or written on a score sheet mm-hmm. from home. And he would just come in the Paniard and take a group of us and take us across to Oxford Street where we were given the music by him, all section leaders. And the music was given to us from him and we come across to the Paniard and we started delivering the music. On mm-hmm. one given point, not one, on many given point in times where whatever he gave us on the sheet, is not what he's going to register as the last mm-hmm. foundation of what he created back home with the pen and the paper. He may hear something that does need a little tweaking, he may hear something that does need a little vibes, or some some spice, and somebody plays and jet rough it up some more, and mash it up some more. And he would just dig it in on his spot and do it there. Mm-hmm. So he had the abil- the ability to do it, to mm-hmm. set the template from home where he, he had the knowledge of reading, writing, and setting that template and transcribing his work and coming to the Paniad and work handedly with the instructions of the players. I have never played with face to pan groove, but I've seen how Dr. Len Booksy Sharp operates as a musician. He is so, so gifted that everything is in his head at the point in time. He may not have the abilities to read and write music, but the the, the musicianship that is embedded in him is a gift that God has given this individual to highlight his strong point in doing music on the spot. On the spot, Mm -hmm. very creative, very innovative. And when it all comes down to transcription, at the end of the season, then anybody could get to articulate and see what he does. Mm-hmm. And explaining it to him, it come like it talking to one ear and it going through the other ear. Mm-hmm. Cause he know he's just creating music, making music, making stuff like that. And that's the difference between for me, between Dr. Jeff Samaru mm-hmm. and 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 Dr. Len Busy Shah. You know, these guys had the ability to 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 do rote and note music mm-hmm. uh, against the one who could do wrote um note music, which is a comedy panel and then the vibe is like that. When I saw these two traits and I was like, um, okay, I can, I can do the music in both ways. Then again, I mentioned before the personality of the individual coming to the panel to relate the music onto the, to the individuals is a big part of it. Once you have a crew of people that believes in you, the sky is not the limit. You just keep on going mm-hmm. and going and going. And that happened for me when I landed the job at BPTT Renegades. In 2012, it was like filling up big shoes mm-hmm. that Jet Samaru started back in the 70s. I was in a position to receive <laughs> comments of critique from people on the ground that I was something like jet. Mm. Hence the reason I couldn't get away from it because this is what I was taught and this is what I was mostly around at the point in time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, I just sat back and like, if you go to a music store and you see a book, learn how to play jazz solos and improvisationals by Oscar Peterson. You read a book from top to bottom and that that information will resonate in your mind. Who will you song like? Who will you be like? Oscar Peterson? But it now comes down to the point where the innovation, the creativity that is embedded in the individual, to fusion his own vibe, his own energy, with the doctrine that he received from the earlys, from that said book he, wrote, he, he, he was reading. Mm-hmm. And that happened with me with Renegades. Mm-hmm. I had the, the opportunity to listen. To, to find a trademark that Renegades is being Renegades, work on it, enhance on it, bring my brand, bring my flavor, bring my style to it. And here, and then I get 20, and I'm just evolving every single time. One of the things that's, that helped me along the way is listening to different genres of music. Mm, mm. 20, in 2002, I had the opportunity to go to France and I was like, before going to France, I was like, yeah, Duvon is like the new kid on the block, you know, you he penetrate he's something good, you know, he have vibes, he has energy, mm-hmm. he has nice ideas. You know, when I went to France, I was like, okay, you see, that ego you had in Trinidad, I threw it all away. And I was mm-hmm. like a kid learning in school again, mm-hmm. because I was exposed to different genres in the country that I considered a melting pot for music music from north africa music from central africa music from east europe music, mm-hmm. music from north europe we were all coming into paris and just venturing at the point in time i had the opportunity to be around guys like richard boner guys like um salif um sorry um mario kanage um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. guys from the french mario Rossi. kanage is like one of the a piano player right A piano player yeah, yeah. like he's i a, i listened
0: a, to him through triad, michel, michel uh, uh, no 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 um uh he plays with um Crap uh um, sake show. Yes, excuse me. Yeah, I was thinking Andy Nurel, with Andy Norell.
1: Yeah, that's where I got. Yeah, first he plays turned it on. On in the rich, Yeah, first got turned on to him, and it, he blew my mind. Yeah, he blew my mind away when I when I was in in the midst of being a part of um, sake show. Andy Norell was supposed to do a gig in Malaysia called the Ginton Jazz Festival and he wasn't able to do it. And I got the call to come and do the gig. I was like, wow, I'm in the midst of royalty. I'm like, I'm in boot camp. And I was listening to the ideology the the creativity, the mindset that these guys had the the heart, the passion that they put into music because it's an occupation for them. Mm -hmm. And they live, eat, breathe that shit every single day. Mm -hmm. They me learning polyrhythms and Western African rhythms and northern African rhythms and and um French rhythm patterns and stuff like that. And I put it into use where I can institute it and integrate it back into turn dance and bigger culture when the panama genre uh music was concerned, it was mind-blowing. And every time I came back from France and I come the year after and I do something for uh my my bands that I work with, people was like Marvel, you get us from and we get us from so it was just about the tour process of educating myself and putting myself in a more non- knowledgeable mm-hmm. mindset to, to receive and to accept every genre of music that is out there. The creativity that is inside of me is very, very big. It's, it's mind blowing. And I just exercise every single weakness that I had at the point in time with the knowledge and, 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 and um, wisdom that I got from outside mm. in being around these musicians and listening to these creativities and stuff like that. And that is something that I, I have to uh, um, applaud the past generation of musicians and arrangers and composers in this Steve pan fertility, that where they got their knowledge from and where they exercised their knowledge from, they spread it globally to everybody. And just was that individual Ray Holman was that individual. Dr. Lendl Sharp was that kind of individual. So doing it with Renegades, it was like, I wouldn't say a walk in the park, but it was like an experiment every year because, as I said, I embraced the fact in listening and appreciating all genres of music that God has placed and the planet for me to use and to transpose back onto the music with Steve Pan globally.
0: Well, the the conversation uh, around influence and appropriation of like how you how you absorb other cultures music into your own is something that uh, was was immediately apparent to me again in 2002 when I went down there for the first time. It was like, wow, this is not a black country. This is not an Indian country. This is not a Chinese country. This is like this is a everybody's here for a million reasons that are historically important. Slavery, all of this indentured servitude, all of it. But there's an agreement here that the Indians aren't going to say, no, that steel band can't use that rhythm, (laughs) you know, or, you know, uh, black people aren't going to say, oh, that African diasporic rhythm, this Indian steel band can't use that. Like there's a, there's a different, there was an, there was a, an ecosystem that I felt dealt with that stuff in a healthy way. (laughs) Of course there's complications. I'm not saying there's not, but. In the U.S. right now, there's a real discussion in the sort of Western classical musical world around influence. And if you're using an African drum on a piece, for example, you know, from a, from an A-way drumming group in Ghana, or you're super influenced by a rhythm, or you, you love some, that there's a real pushback against that of like, no, 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 you're appropriating, you're stealing from another culture. And I'm curious for you, uh, the reason I ask this question is because when I came to Trinidad for the first time, there was a real sense that... I remember a few, few people asked me where I was from and wanted to know exactly where I was from. I was mm-hmm. from Akron, Ohio, or I'm, I'm from South of Akron, but I, I, I was in school in Akron, Ohio. And yeah. the term cultural thievery and cultural appropriation was made very clear to me at that point. And I'm curious mm-hmm. for you, how do you see that now, now, also now we're 20 years later, steel bands are now all over the world in a way that they weren't mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Bands are in Japan, bands are in Idaho, like, like everywhere you go. How do you perceive yeah. the way now these cult- cultures being absorbed in other parts of the world? How do you, how do you view that? Do you view it all healthy? Do you view it with any sort of skepticism? Do you view it with, how do you see it?
1: I, I don't have any skepticism as it's considered, you know, music is there to experiment. Music is there to, to, to take to a different level where they can enhance on one's creation, you know, um, Back in the day, you know, um, Judge Samaru was being critiqued on using a lot of rhythm changes back in the days. And they were saying, like, you know, he was not not seeking to be to the spirit of carnival. But he was exhibiting something that people was not really penetrating in terms of respecting what is out there, that God has provided each country with a culture, an identity. And he was just replicating it to show that. The world is diverse, and, and, and um, bringing it back to Steve Prime Music is what he did at the point in time until people start doing it afterwards and they got to accept that, yo, this music is one of the greatest universal language of God's place of planet Earth for us all to absorb every single thing that is out there. And I have no critique towards it. You know, everybody has their view on it, but mm-hmm. I liked experiments. I like challenges. I like new things that can make the music be free, to be inhaling mm-hmm. and refreshing to the point that, wow, this song's good. Mm-hmm. Wow, this mm-hmm. song's great. You know, where did it come from? Until we start digging up and trying to find out what really happened. Ready Gates was a touring band and still a heavy mm-hmm. touring band before the pandemic. And they have been to a lot of countries with the accompaniment of Dr. Jeff Sanru being with the band and going to places like Malagascar and Mauritius and Jordan and Morocco. And he's hearing different rhythmic patterns and rhythmic stuff like that. And he would be on a plane traveling from different country to country and just writing music and just integrating different ideas and different rhythmic patterns to songs and to try to come back to Trinidad and implement it in one of his Panama creations. Mm-hmm we had a marvel time working with that situation and we gave him the the power to to do what he was doing. Again, he was critiqued for it. He was being questioned about it. But then again, too, it's like now the way of life. Everybody has to accept what is out there and integrate it back into their, to their whole soul and their own being. So I have no critic. No, no, no critic towards it.
0: Are there anything for you um, that are like, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any sort of irrational no-nos. Like for me, in this, well, I, I, just because I grew up playing steel drum gigs in, in Akron, mm-hmm. I was asked to wear a flowered shirt a lot, and I, and I'm Devon. I'm just being honest. My podcast is called Concert Honesty, and there was one gig where I was asked to wear one of those rasta hats with the dreadlocks sewn into it. You know, and I didn't. And I swore to never wear a flowered shirt after that. And for 20 years, I have refused to wear a flowered shirt. And I was telling my bandmates this, the guys that I play with in So Percussion, who we went down to Trinidad in 2020 before the lockdown. They know I hate flowered <laughs> shirts. What is Boogsy's what is, what is band wearing for 2020 Vision that year? All flowered shirts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, and they, all, they all turned around and looked at me and they were like, I thought you weren't allowed to wear flowered shirts. And I was like, well, I'm not boogsy sharp. I'm not, you know. But anyway, so that's an irrational no no for me that I kind of still stand by. Like if I can avoid wearing a flowered shirt, I will.
1: But I, I support you in that. Yeah. I support you in that. But I'm
0: curious for you, are there are there anything that for Devon Stewart when you see it, you go <laughs> <laughs> you sort of clench up a little bit?
1: Um I, I believe is like the, the connection that the instrument has on the the global population. What Trinidad and Tobago sells and what Trinidad and Tobago push put out there is what the world is going to gravitate to. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that this instrument can be seen and can be advertised in the light to make people feel a sense of acceptance for what it really is. For example, I'm in the West Coast out here. Mm-hmm. And the way they see pan out here is like an ambient instrument that just do background to entertain people at a function
0: mm-hmm.
1: with a white pants and a flower shirt and a sometimes a straw cap, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you keep selling and marketing the instrument like this, not saying that they are doing it now, but that's how mm-hmm. The West Coast may see it you know yeah. and some countries may see it like that too that is something like a unknown for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: I believe this instrument could be on the grand stage like the the greats that play music in their in their respective ways with their, with various instruments like Marcanaj either way no flower shoot he come from Martinique Dini mm-hmm. yeah. man come from Jamaica he playing means made no flower shirt. You're supposed to set an identity and, and be on the platform with these guys and be on the platform and, 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 and project a lie like that point. But it's, it's it's and in Rale, in this instrument is there. Adding is flamboyant in his good way. You'll see me no flower shirt. Mm-hmm. But then again, Tuna, you know, the, the, the look, the presentation sells the instrument big time. And if we keep making these promoters or the people that hire us, Give us restrictions on what to wear, it becomes a problem for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, and that's and that's that's a no-no for me. Vision 2020 for Steel Pan is about making our instrument becomes world globally accepted. To stand alongside any performer, any instrument with any genre of music, and just go out there and do your do. And I positively believe in that mantra.
0: Hmm.
1: We have a, a we have an instrument that has a voice that can speak volume for itself, and the only way for that to happen, the respect needs to come in a hundred percent, big time. I think that's been the hardest. We must thing. not be seen. We not. We, we must not be seen as a, a group of individuals that come from a Caribbean tree, a Caribbean country where coconuts and sea and sand is there, so you have to portray coconut, sea, and sand. America has coconut, tree, and sand. Jamaica has coconut, sea, and sand. Do they wear these flowers? No. We come to play music. We come to deliver music. Everybody's in their own space where they can present their style of music with steel pan music going forward. So it doesn't mean that I have to be coming from a Caribbean country to wear the flower clothes and... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's something to, I mean, when uh, when you're far enough, like when you're two or three hundred years removed from a particular <laughs> ta- start of a, an instrument, for example, the the violin. The violin is not a suit and tie instrument. It no. was a, it was a folk instrument. Came from very dirty places, very grungy background in the woods, you know, like. This, and what they, they made it today? They made it today as a jacket and tie. And a cummerbund or a cummerbund or whatever. Like, you know, and it's. And yeah. so, what? Uh, the only reason, I appreciate your answer here very much because, and I, I wasn't trying to bait you into the 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 flowered shirt conversation, no, no. but I I appreciate what you said because for me, it's <coughs> I hear Cliff in my head Anytime I I think about a flowered shirt, I I just think like, would I wear this around Cliff? And the answer is always no, because first of all, Cliff would never would have told me what to wear. Second of all, he would have gone. If you saw me in that shirt, <laughs> you know, and, and, you agree. and I, and I'm just saying for you, I, I think your point of respect and cultural respect, especially the history, if you want to be really authentic to what a steel band would wear buy Kim Johnson's illustrated story of Pam and wear that true, true, wear a, wear a sailor outfit. That's more culturally accurate than wearing a flower, a flowered shirt, if I'm not mistaken, right? You cool. You cool with that. You cool with that. Anyway, just saying. I really appreciate. I really appreciate that answer, and that leads me to my my sort of uh, bigger question here about publishing. Um, I think when it comes to cultural legacy and how folks are remembered, whether you like it or not, whether Beethoven likes it that way or not, he's remembered by his music now because we don't know what his voice sounds like, and in two hundred years, people are going to look at you you the same way and wonder what was he saying. And I'm curious for you what. I personally have a real like fear, like anxiety about the number of pieces that get created every year, both in New York and Brooklyn, London, Toronto, Miami, um, you know, and how many of them get written down and put up on a site where somebody could purchase it and play it with their band in Texas. I bet there's a maybe five out of every year that maybe get written down and put out in any way that, and maybe I'm missing it all. So I'm kind of curious for you, Devon, like what's, what are your thoughts on that? Is my fear accurate? Should I have anxiety or should I just stop worrying about that?
1: No, you have to worry. You have to worry. You have to worry. Um, if you ask for a panel arrangement from solo harmonites in 1976, you wouldn't get it. mm mm-hmm. I believe the guys that, that started doing it was the guys at Panyard Inc., mm-hmm. Ron and Shelley. They yeah. came to Trinidad and they started to transcribe mm-hmm. music to have in the universities globally, yeah. more extensively, like the US. And there was a, a need to, to advertise and to showcase the creativity that creativity that is embedded in the arranger of that said song or arrangement or band. Mm -hmm. And we never really took it to the point where it can become a lucrative business where we could take our intellectual property, our intellectual mind space and put it and document it and have it published so that people could have a piece of what is out there from what we create Mm -hmm. musically with the original composition. You could walk into a store and ask for, any classical music mm-hmm. you could go to any website and download and ask for any classical music composed in the medieval in the baroque in the whatever period that is available in the past and you will have it at your disposal from any of the set composers beethoven tchaikovsky ragnar chopin Bach, it's there, there are few musicians in esteemed fertility that do it or have it mm-hmm. At it is supposed to me, Dr. Ray Holman has it. Dr. Len Sharp has it to a point of what Paniad did. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jit Samiru has it to a point of what Paniard Inc. did. Ken Professor Fillmore is whatever somebody from the set time was around him who can try to recreate what he did and put it on a on a on a on a, on a, on a, on a black and white Robbie
0: Greenwich, I believe, but that isn't that... published as well. me? I think Robbie Greenwich had one published.
1: Uh... Yeah, what, what Robbie Greenwich had one published, and which leads me to some of the mistakes that were made in the past by people in the Steel Pan fraternity that they missed out on hmm. in having the work written and published. And marketed in such a way, so the next two hundred years that work can be accessed through this medium, so that the royalties of this individual can be grossly attained. I started back arranging in the year twenty or two thousand two with a blog, a pan groove, and we was just I was just going through the phase of just. Playing music, arranging music, and not thinking about writing and transcribing and, and having my work documented to the point where I could have this score available for a single pan band in France or in, in Japan and stuff like that. Because, there are single pan band bands all over the world. A lot was done to the point where I saw the mistakes that were made and I have capitalized on the mistakes made and make it to a positive to benefit me personally. And I try to encourage every single arranger who is on the scene today in the steel pan fraternity, document your work. Because you never know what could happen with that piece of work going forward. From the band that just came out of the every siege, document it. The band that just make the semifinals, document it. Mm -hmm. The bands that make it to the final from first place to 10th place, have it documented. Have it and make it something that it can be placed on a publishing platform that John and Jane Public globally could have their hands on. In 2012, I started to document my arrangements. Maybe for Renegades, for Pan Elders, for Trinidad and Tobago Defense Force. I'm now in the process of documenting my single pan work mm. because I see that there is a positive that can come from it where universities in the US, in Europe, in Asia, Africa, in Australia can have this piece of music at their disposal whenever they want to get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you... If you ask it now for Len Boxy Shop arrangements of Magic Drum on a score sheet, you will never get it Mm-mm. because it was never documented. If you ask for Coffee Street by Andy Norell, you can get it. Mm-hmm. So I, Von Stewart, just trying to educate my brothers and sisters back home. And for those who in the U.S. who are not doing it, and for those in the U.K. that are not doing it, Start documenting your work because you never know what could be happening with your work in these institutions that want to find out and want to be a part of what goes on in the mind of the individual doing an arrangement. You know, it's one of the publication th- side. The publication side. I have not. I have received offers from uh, um, um, a couple publishing groups to have my music on. And this whole pandemic that I have been through right now, I like to tell the judge it placed me in a, it put me in a place where and I can recalibrate and just go back in a zone and say, yo, Duvon, this is what he was doing wrong. Have this done, have this done, put this out there, put this out there so people could have 100% access in having it done. I'm in the process of doing some or meeting with some publications company while I'm in the US here mm-hmm. to have my arrangements, arrangements be on a shelf. the shelf for universities all over the world to have access to. From 2012 Renegades up to 2020, Panellers, Trinidad and Bigger Defense Force, all the music has already been scored and documented. It's just to have it publicated to the publishing company so that people can have access to it. And if this is a template for brothers and sisters in the steep band fertility to follow, I assure you guys it is the right thing to do because Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Bach, you can access their music, but if you to access, access the work of B.J. Marcel with Cats and Jammers and Tobake, mm-hmm. you cannot get it. It comes like wasted music just going on the train. It's not wasted until you take time to document it and there's time to document it. It's time to document it. I feel like
0: you know a lot. A lot of the arguments I am seeing online about you know Pan Trombago and the way they best conserve the the Pan community in, in Trinidad. And again, like I am removed from all the day to day politics there, so pardon my ignorance on
1: likewise on, likewise, on, on everything likewise.
0: there. But in terms of like you know, if there if if money was unlimited, I feel like if the if every band in Trinidad, in addition to having an arranger, you know, band captain, skipper, like all this, all those things, like. If there were two people, one person with a, with a laptop and another person just going around keeping track of all the changes every day. So Devon Stewart, you have an assistant. The day one, you're in with Renegades. You're ta- and somebody's just there taking notes. And then at the end of that rehearsal, they're like, here's the 12 bars you taught today. And then you come in tomorrow, and that person's just sitting there. Oh, you changed the third bar. Man, make that change. And so by the end, on, fi- on finals day, you can still certainly change it, but you have... You know, if every band had the funding to just have that staffing,
1: you know, to me that yeah, I could say if, I, I I could safely say, say BBT BP, BPTT Renegades has it. Good. Awesome. I didn't know I am that. I am part of I am part of the organization. And the guy that, that, that is working alongside with me is a guy called Dante Panton. Mm-hmm. I have to give credit to Mr. Salmon Cupid for the innovation and invention of the electronic steel pan Mm -hmm. where I can go to the studio or go to my home lab where I do my music and I do the music, it's transcribed. I email the music to the section leaders so physically I don't have to go to the pan yard to do the music. That is one good thing that Renegades has. Mm -hmm. Every section leader reads music. The email
0: the music has been emailed to them. Is that a requirement? Like, do you require music. that? Do you require that of the section leaders, or is that just culturally something that's been the case there since JIT was there?
1: It's just, it, it was an initiative done by BP, the sponsor, to okay. take the stage side members and to put them into the Trinidad and Tobago University, the University of Trinidad and Tobago. Hmm. They had courses going on, and every okay. section, uh, and every stage side member in the steel orchestra reads music. They gave wow. them a sheet. They do it and they play it, they recite read and they do it, they replicate, and it's there for them to do. So everything that has been done with BP integrating that to the players, it was a big benefit, mm. a big benefit for me and for the band, because every time I change something, it's there documented. They could see mm. it's documented. And that 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 formula has been working with me and the band from since 2012. To 2020, the last panorama. It wasn't just in, it was not just panorama only. Mm-hmm. Our mm-hmm. classical music done by Mr. Edward, Mr. Desmond Wait.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He does the classical side of the band and he does the transcribing of Chopin, Bach, because the band has a contract with its agents called Run Production. To produce a concert, a classical concert every year in January with the Run Production Company to do classical concerts in, mm-hmm. in in Europe, and when he comes to the paniard, he don't go say yo play G G sharp A and things like that. He gives them a sheet,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they take like about five ten minutes. He knocks the pan, and the band just start to play classical music just like that. Mm-hmm. Renegades, I can speak of.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like an occupation for these guys in Renegades Steel Orchestra.
0: Mm.
1: Against to the guys back at other bands, I can't speak vividly for them or on concrete ground. But how I see it is like a hobby. You know, they come in to play for Panorama, and as as Panorama done, they go back to their normal day to day job. It's like a doctor or a lawyer or a bank accountant or stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in Renegades, you know, it's it's not really a requirement. But it was something that BPTT saw to institute and to integrate within the orchestra to have these musicians well equipped that they can do theory work and institute that theory work and bring it practical so that could make the work very easy for the players coming forward in the band. So every player that comes into the band, into Renegades band, they have the knowledge of learning music because the ones who know it, they will teach you ones next to them. Well, it's wish it's no, no, it go. Yeah.
0: it's a remarkably progressive view on how to run a steel band. I mean, in terms of culturally, I mean, it just just to say, like, it's not something that works overnight. You know, like BP sure. didn't didn't say that, and, and then like started on a Monday, and then on Wednesday, everybody's reading music. Like, this is mm-hmm. a decade long investment that is now in a spot where it's paid off. Only only to say that I, I want to encourage anybody who's afraid of making those sorts of investments, they pay off. They're worth it. It, you know? pay off. Yo, yeah.
1: it, yo, it pay off big time. It pays off big time. I could take something like a wrong, no more than 12 days to do a Panama arrangement, and it takes no more than 21 days to have it done.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That
1: is a timeline that I have. It, it can be done quicker. It depends on me when I recreated the idea is support of the sheet to deliver to the band, it's all. it all depends on me, but the Renegade Steel Orchestra, I like the teleman Josh. It's a blessing. Mm. It's a blessing well, it- to have a group of guys like this. And any arranger who walks into that panier after Duvon Seward, I could guarantee you guys, you have a band that is well-equipped, both theoretical and practical in exhibit whatever you want to do Whatever ideas and music that you have on your sheet, well, you've clearly they could respond in both they could they could respond both ways. Yeah, they could respond both ways. But for me, I see the need for documentation as a key. Having your music documented, so when that that final night presentation is done, this is a score. It goes up to the vault in Renegades. Mm-hmm. We have been through a pandemic for like close to two years. Yeah, the pan the panel hasn't been in the pan yet for like two years. They still could read music, but if that day comes up, we could open up and say we could go back to the panian and learn this piece of music. They don't need Duvon Stewart physically to come and say, yeah. what note did he do here? Or what chord did he do here? Or what's he two notes he do here? Man. It's all documented. And that is one of the big things that, that happens for the Renegades. We are never out of being in a space where we have to go back and start from mm. zero to meet 100 I'm speaking for Renegades. I don't want to sound like I'm very cocky mm-hmm. or I'm showing off with it, but it's the right thing to do. Have your work mm-hmm. documented, have your work placed in a platform where you can archive archive it and go back and get it.
0: Well, you mentioned you, I mean, you've sung his praises a lot, but I just also want to point out that like you inherited a similar mindset from Dr. Jitsamaru in the way that he ran the band, I'm guessing. Like, there, yep. what, there was a yep. real culture yep. there set up, and it's and you you now yep. have the responsibility to carry that on and then hand it to somebody however long down in the that's, future. That's and, a,
1: that's the vision that we have, you know,
0: driving beyond horizon. And this, I've stolen fifty three minutes of your life, Devon, and I promise I'll get you out of here by no problem, four. Man, you, you, I got, now you
1: could do you could talk how long you want, longer, one man. I,
0: I got two questions What's for you, and one of them is aspirational, and one of them is vulnerable. I'll start with the vulnerable one, so we'll end on aspirational. Um, I would love it. If you, and if 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 you would rather just say next question, just say next question. But has there ever been a panorama that you've won when deep down inside of you you knew another band should have won because you personally were like, man, that tune was better or that array. Like, is there? As a music, I'm asking this because as a musician, I I feel like sometimes I do really well and everybody's like, that was amazing, and in my heart, I'm like. I don't think you know what amazing is out of me. You just missed it today, but anyway, I'm, I'm curious for you: Is there ever been a year that you've won or where you felt like I ah, should have got it? Should have gone to? Should have gone to this other band? And I know that's a that's a vulnerable question to answer for you in the position you're in. But I'm I'm just kind of curious. I'm, how I'm going to
1: be like honest you. with you. I'm going to be honest with you. You yeah. know, um, any beginning, everybody wants to. Every their dream is to win a panorama or to be. Called first place winner. Mm-hmm. They had a process to get there. And I was always learning and always learning. And every time that I had the opportunity to work with any of the bands, you know, they could come first, second, third, fifth, tenth, didn't make the semifinals, didn't make the uh, finals. I was still at the, the position to go and get something done. Mm-hmm. For me, music is a mission. I don't ever see that as a competition. Mm-hmm. I see that as a mission. And I see that as a learning process for me to nurture my craft, to nurture my ideology, and to put it into, in a context where I should do better in my creation the year before and just bring something new to the table, a new idea stuff like that to the table. To all the bands that has been in front and all the arrangers that has been in front of Duvon, when seven people say that you have won, I congratulate them. I gave them calls. I gave them the kudos. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm going back. To that drawing board and just try to recreate myself and put myself in a position to, to bring new ideas and new music to the table so that I can feel refreshed, the players can feel confident, and the matches out there, you can't please everybody at the same time too because the seven people that listen to, to, to you at the point in time may not really have the capabilities to, to listen to six or seven voices at one twenty four BPM for eight minutes or ten minutes, consistently mm-hmm. for in a night duration to come up with a winner, but it's just like at the end of the day, it's the vibe and the energy that is integrated in the minds and hearts of people in Trinidad and Tobago that 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 has this camaraderie of the competition element that say we have fanatics. My band beat your band, this band that band, and this band a <laughs> song better than you They said yeah, that yeah. me, I go with the mantra of music is a mission. It's, it's a competition it's, it's not a competition 2018 will always be my highlight in greatness in what i have done for me as an arranger mm-hmm. I, I believe that I, I got the opportunity to be me and to feel refreshed um, replicating me with renegades i've been a champion arranger in 2018 it wasn't like yeah you reach mm-hmm. stop there. i was still pushing on. 2019. I was still pushing on in 2020, Mm -hmm. and I will still continue to push on as long as I'm alive, bringing new ideas and new um, concepts and vibes to 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 steal pan music. Then let's edit off. Music is a mission, instead of competition. Well, I I appreciate all the guys that did it. All the guys who did it before me, Mm -hmm. they were my learning platform. They brought out the best in me to mm-hmm. dig deep and find my true purpose. It, my true energy that God has given me to work with. It's a lot of people use this, a lot of people say the sky is the limit or the okay. stars is the limit. No. I want to go further than the stars. There's somewhere further than the stars. There's somewhere further than somewhere that you feel is the place of comfort zone. The only time that I will not be comfortable meeting that comfort place is when God is ready for me to go back to dust Mm. I will always keep penetrating always keep giving my all always coming up with nice ideas new ideas new concepts new energy and bringing it to every single band that I work with the same energy I do with Renegades I do with Panellas I do with Defense Force I do with Ebony I do with every single band winning is just one part of it but the consistency in delivering your offering the masses of the outside it speaks volumes to me well this
0: brings me a, that that's a great answer and I and, and I appreciated it because the premise of my question was that you saw it as a competition and of course if you don't see it as a competition then you're gonna give the answer you gave and so I appreciate that um, uh, I'm mm-hmm. curious now just to sort of like just to wrap up what what haven't you done in pan that like it has has there anything in your in your compositional sort of like dreams when you're you're by yourself and you're like you know, if I just didn't have this logistical hurdle, if I just had this amount of money, if I just had this thing, like I could do this thing with renegades that no one's ever done or pan elders or whoever it is. Is there anything that like, I mean, again, you don't have to let the cat out of the bag if you're already got something in the works, but like, what haven't you done that you really want to do right now that no one else has done?
1: Man, I have so many ideas in my mind that's plaguing me for, for many, many years to try to bring to the table where Steve pan music is concerned, you know, um, the views and comments I'm going to make where this this this, 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 this answer is all about Duvonne Stewart. For me, I see a monotony.
0: Mm.
1: I am being around a monotony where steel pan music is concerned. We don't really take time to push ourselves in trying to experiment. Because when you experiment, prepare to fail and to receive critique answers along the way. The only way to get it correct is when you get that critique from John and Jane Public to manifest it, neuter it, make it better going forward. With that being said and done, I have a lot of plans that I have on my mind that I want to do that nobody in Steel Pan has never really ventured to end. I'm not gonna reveal them now, but it's still in the making, but there's so much that this instrument can collaborate with, can integrate with, in being what it's supposed to be or where it should be, because I may have my contribution with my views, somebody may see it next 10, 15 years, and they wanna elaborate on it as a new idea that they have and they could continue the process. But safely saying, now, back in Trinidad and Tobago, we are stuck in a position where the monotony is gaining the advantage of creativity Mm. and ideology for where this instrument can show its true potential going forward. There's so much that I could do, so much that people have in their mind to do. But safely saying, I must say that, I have a, a band in BPTT Renegades. They are like riskers. They are a bunch of risking individuals who wanting to do different things, and which mm. gives me the freedom to go home and just brainstorm and think of the mad shit to well, put in the when the night comes. Well, this
0: is, I mean, I appreciate that answer because, again... You said the word experiment. I mean, experiments are something you do to which the, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the definition of an experiment. You don't know what the end, the end result is going to be. The, the invention of the steel drum was an experiment. I mean, this whole thing was, was, was absolutely doing things that no one else was doing, finding the little crack yep. in the sidewalk and growing up through it and becoming a tree. Like, all of those yep. things is exactly where this instrument came from. So it's interesting to me to hear... You say that there's a little bit of stagnation happening, because uh, anyway, just to say, like, let's just—I appreciate that sort of let's keep tilling the soil to keep to keep air and oxygen in the in in the in the nutrients Mm -hmm. in the soil because um, it's where it all came from. It came from people asking questions and and doing the thing. You know, if Ellie if Ellie Bennett had never made the Barracuda pan, you know, like, you know, maybe somebody else would have. But no yeah, true, nobody else did. True, it, LA did, you know, and you know, and there were many tuners doing that all over the islands, you know. But anyway, just to say, um, Devon, this has been really
1: fun. And I, I apologize for stealing an hour and two minutes of your life. But no, man, you could you could take you could take out you guys as I said, you could take time, you know, man. I'm, I'm I'm blessed and honored to to give my ideas and my my concepts and my vision where I want to see my instrument being seen as a, a leader, not a follower, hmm. a leader in its in, in its own right, you know. And I say, you know, once we back home in Trinidad and Tobago, take the time to respect it for what it is and set that example in being a role model and a template for others to follow. We can all come together and gross ideas and gross knowledge to set it, to, to make this instrument be what it's really supposed to be. Mm. Pan is much more than panorama. That's all I have to tell Trinidad and Tobago. Pan is much more than panorama. There's so many months after the month of March for us to experiment and to put things into perspective so that the music and the instrument can be viewed as a 12-month instrument, not just a two-month instrument. We have to put the groundwork in to make it happen. And with that, to make it happen, we all have to come together, unite, share. Educate, and just project the music globally so that the masses could see the true potential of what this instrument can give to each and every human being and planet Earth.
0: I Devon, I couldn't say it better, so I will just leave it at that. That was a really I, I really enjoyed this chat. And my policy with the podcast is my door's always open. Um if there's anything you ever if I say something on a podcast that you listen to and you're like, I need to talk to this dumb dumb because we need to set the record straight. Yeah. Just hit me up. You no know problem,
1: where, man. I'm your man. I'm your man.
0: Um, but I, I hope you stay safe and healthy and I really hope that we can connect and grab a beer or something in Trinidad or Brooklyn or wherever and um, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a beer drinker, sorry. Or, or or whatever a crayon apple i don't care whatever whatever an apple j i'm loose we drink I'm...
1: some we drink some water we drink some water <laughs> okay
0: sounds good we'll stay healthy devon Hennessy I
1: look... preferable. <laughs> oh, Hennessy preferable. Well, we can
0: do that we can do that we can do that
1: all right man take it easy stay safe and we'll talk yeah, soon, man. Okay? yeah man blessed man thanks very much for having me man all right likewise <laughs> take care that's it. Bye.
0: Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas uh, My good friend Todd Meehan Runs an amazing percussion company down there Great merch, great content, check them out Liquiddrum.com Also, Kyle Dunleavy Dunleavypans.com D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Ypans.com Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds All the steel drums that I perform And teach on uh, So Percussion, as well as at NYU And Princeton Uh, He's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, want to learn more about the goings-on in pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check them out. And finally, Alejandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan-centric. You can check him out at mangochowclothing.com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out, mangochowclothing.com. Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.